All right, 13 after 11, we continue the conversation here. Uh, we are, I think, I'm not sure if this is going to be the last feature of our four-week series with the National Treasury. And as always, uh, this interview has been brought to you by the National Treasury. Rahadi Mozeto is the Chief Director, Stakeholders and Clients, Client Management at National Treasury. Rahadi, good morning to you. As always, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Good morning, Kathy. Yes. Good morning to the listeners. This and, is the third. We still have the last one next week. Oh, we still have one more next week. All right. Sorry. <laughs> it was my miscalculation. All right. No great. Problem. Um, and, and today, of course, we're going to be picking up where we left off the last time. And um, perhaps if you can just give us the scope of what it is you want us to deal with today, and then I'll get into the more specific uh, questions uh, around the procurement and things uh, like, you know, the advertising for tenders, why it is that National Treasury is no longer handling it, etc., etc. Okay, um, today we are focusing on the different methods of, of procurement. Mm. Um, that is the few that we can cover today. And then uh, probably next week we'll do the rest and then touch on the big committees and how they apply in their competitive space. And yes, we can talk about why the tenders uh, seem to have been hosted by the National Treasury as well. Okay, so let's start then. What are the different methods of procurement? Okay, um, today we can cover um, the price quotation. So this will be procurement below 2000. It can be done through, through petty cash. It's not as complicated. Uh, sometimes you want to uh, buy batteries for, for a particular um, item, so you can use petty cash to go and procure those, um, or you can get a supplier if you have them on, on your panel to, to just deliver those those, those uh, low items that are below 2,000. And then you have your, your request for quotations. Those are the ones that are flooded by the system. Um, they range between 2,000 and 1 million rings. Uh, remember, we have devised the thresholds for, for RFQs to 1 million rings, so suppliers shouldn't be alarmed when they receive an RFQ that is about 500,000, which is the threshold that we used to have uh, previously. So um, the suppliers will then be selected randomly on the CSD um, based on the brief specification emailed to them with a closing date and time for them to respond. So once we have that, then they will be evaluated. Um, it, it's just a process to make sure there's governance and there's, there's um, checks and balances. They will check whether the quotation meets um, its responses to, to, to the, that, that, that specification that was shared with, 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 the, with the suppliers. And then um, the, the one with the lowest price, and, and previously we used to um, use the 9010 as well as, as, as 8020, which you would see in the new uh, regulations that have been published already. So it will be evaluated based on that, and then the one with the lowest price or um, uh, the 10 score or the 20 score then um, will be appointed um, based on that. And then we're going to have um, what we call deviations. Um, the deviation um, are dependent on the impracticality of inviting competitive space, uh, meaning advertising for 21 days and going through a full process of bid committees. This can only be done under um, three conditions. If it's an emergency, um, then you can go and, and use a deviation process. However, with a deviation process, there needs to be those um, internal policies that prescribe how you are going to implement a deviation. It will require all the, the, the approvals in place uh, within the institution to make 
ensure that you don't just approach one supplier and say it's an emergency. So within an emergency, you can either use what we, what we call, you have to approach as many suppliers as you can, depending on the emergency, and make sure you have a criteria that you can use to evaluate them. And then also you can use um, deviations uh, for single sourcing. For instance, you will notice that we had um, some investigations that were conducted by the SIU. So if you need to take, if, if one of the um, uh, people who are mentioned in the report want to take this matter to court, whoever was investigating that particular case will have to go and give evidence um, in the court. So if it was not the SIU, it was an, um, a company that was appointed through a proper process, then you don't have to advertise for, for, for that particular service um, saying that I need someone who can go and give evidence on this investigation. So you have to go back to the person who was or the institution that was investigating and use that particular um, institution or person. So it needs to get approvals as well. And then on the sole sourcing part, as an um, issue or this is the only institution or company that can give you what you desire or what you want to procure. Um, you only have Mercedes-Benz. You don't have um, sister to Mercedes-Benz or the brother company to Mercedes-Benz. So it's a single, it's a sole sourcing. Um, however, this this tends to apply in, in international in, in terms of imports, and then you'll have what we call um, a distributor in, in in the country. So. The, the original uh, equipment manufacturer will appoint a distributor. So when you go, let's say you have your um, an equipment in, in, your, in your institution that can only be serviced by this particular company, you have to go to that company. However, it needs to be clearly approved within an institution. So you can't repay um, a particular equipment or services with the parts of another company um, that will create problems for you going forward. And, and then, then yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say that I, I thought that you were done, so I just wanted to get into uh, the the number of questions that I wanted to ask you as a follow up. But let me give you a chance to finish first. Okay. Um, let me just touch on the closed bidding part or limited bidding. Um, the limited bidding is, is, is when we know how many suppliers that we have um, in in that particular industry or. or um, uh, environment. So, for instance, with, with the cell phone network providers, we don't have a lot. I think we do have four that can give you a full service that um, government would need. Um, so, you can either approach them directly and give them the bid documents, and then they will be responding to that. But what we encourage institutions to do, because we do understand that most of the time you have uh, new entries to the market that we might not know of. So it's better to advertise it, even if it's a closed bidding, you know already how many um, suppliers are going to respond. So you still advertise it for transparency and also to give those that are new into, into, into the environment to respond as well. So it's closed because we know who we are approaching, but we, in terms of transparency and improving governance, we do advertise it anyway for everybody to know what is government buying. And then on the, on the panel of, of service providers, um, we usually, it's professional services, I would say, um, companies or institutions or state that use maintenance um, frequently where they have emergencies because of that would require maintenance or, or um, professional services. They can pull together, advertise, attend where 
they're going to evaluate these particular service providers based on their competencies and then put them on, on, the, on the panel of service providers just in case when there is emergency, they know who to, to, where to find those particular um, service providers. And these are different from what we see on the CSD because the CSD only deals with administrative compliance, whereas the panel of service providers, you have to evaluate them on functionality to make sure that they are competent in what they are saying they are, they are competent in. And then once you, 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 you get to that level, you put them on the, on the panel of service providers. When there's an emergency or the need to use them, you go and send them the request with, together with the specifications for them to give you um, other requirements like the prices so that you can use them to fix whatever you need to fix. You know, you, you know Rahadi, just listening to you speak and and uh, and hearing you describe what is required, at least according to the legislation, for procurement to take place versus what we see in reality and, and versus, again, the scale of of corruption that takes place. Why do you think it's so easy um, for officials to bypass the layers of, of regulation that have been put in place? And the thing is, it's, it's, a, it's a minute of, of, of challenges that, that we see. Um, mm. The first thing, you have those who are in, in supply chain for, for the mere intention of, of really doing what is wrong. And also, um, you have um, internal audit committees within an institution that needs to make sure that they frequently audit the processes within, within the institution to make sure that they are compliant all the time than to wait for, for, for the Auditor General to come and do a sample of an audit um, of, of a procurement process for the whole year that is after the effect. So it is important that the reason why we're doing this campaign is for suppliers to understand some of the, the differences in how we, do, we, we procure because sometimes they would see that it was a closed bidding and, and the institution chose not to advertise and they would think that it is corrupt because it was never advertised only to find that it's only a few suppliers that are in the industry. So it is important that they, they distinguish between, between all these processes. But unfortunately, when it comes to human behavior, it's something that has to be dealt with um, through HR processes. Should there be any finding on, on their part, it's something that um, still lies with the accounting officer of the institution to mm. correct. One of the things that also becomes clear or apparent is that it's not just about one person that is not trying to do the right thing but you need a number of people who are not doing the right thing for corruption in procurement to take place the way that we see it take place. It is, it is correct um, in that within, within, within um, SCM, what we do, we do encourage um, SCM managers as well as, as accounting officers to make sure that um, employees within, officials within supply chain, they are rotated frequently so that they don't stay in one function forever, uh, where you have, um, there was a time when we have um, a case, I think it's one of the departments where um, this particular official has been sitting in a position of posting quotations for years and years, and when they're sitting there, they tend to master uh, even the gaps, where the loopholes that they can use to really get what they want. What happened was, before the CSD was introduced, the sourcing of quotations was done manually, so you just pick the suppliers that you have and then you send the email to those that you want to communicate with um, as compared to the CSD that selects um, the suppliers randomly now. 
So what the supplier, um, what the official did was to ask um, uh, suppliers that was in Limpopo as well as Western Cape and the one that was in Pretoria and the other one was in Rustenburg for an equipment that uh, if you buy it from the store, costs 2,000 rands. So they asked these suppliers that are far, knowing very well that they won't respond to this particular um, RFQ because it will cost more for them to even send the equipment to the department, whereas the one that is in Pretoria ended up quoting the department 26,000 rents. So when it went to the layers or the levels of approval, that's when they picked it up that it cannot be that this particular equipment will cost us 26,000, whereas in the store is 2,000. So when they started investigating and they mm. brought it through to our office, that's when we picked up that all these other suppliers who didn't respond they were very far from, from, from the office and they couldn't have incurred so much cost to even deliver that particular equipment. So it, it takes a lot of, of um, supply officials will always try and find a loophole in the process. That is why we encourage accounting officers to frequently rotate the uh, um, employees so that they move away from the environment that they've been in for years. But you have to balance it again with what is required in terms of um, the, the unions that are protecting the employees' rights. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fine balance that one needs to strike mm-hmm. when, when you try to prevent new pain. What, what is the suggestion from National Treasury? How often do you think officials should be rotated? Um, within the Treasury, it's done um, almost every uh, six months. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you would swap whoever is collecting the who's asking for the quotations will not assess the, the quotations that will be done by somebody else. And then whoever has done the assessment or evaluation will give it to someone to go and sort of use the principles of, of a bit adjudication to make sure that the evaluation is, is up to scratch. And then it still comes back to me as, as the project manager to determine whether um, what I've been um, uh, presented with is what has been done right. If I have queries, I can send it back. Otherwise, I can sign it up and say I agree with the process. It was transparent and fair. And then they will communicate with with the supplier that I have signed off on. So it it usually takes away um, the uh, project manager out of the process so that I don't go and find somebody and say, does this RFQ come and submit this and that. It will be dealt with through supply chain, through different um, categories of officials that will do different responsibilities, and just to make sure that it is fair and also it is transparent. Mm. I am not sure about other institutions, although when we <laughs> I, w- I was going to say, I was <laughs> going to say, Rahadi, that uh, you know the reality is that uh, what oh. what we know is that even if somebody is not the one pre- presiding over, let's say, the supply chain yeah, aspect or locking down who the supplier is. But people are in constant communication with each other and there's a web, you know, there's a chain, there's a network that is established to ensure that things go a particular way. And uh, I think just over the period that we've been having the series, that is part of where the despondency from potential suppliers is coming from because they are unable to, to get through the network. They are unable to break through that chain. The thing is, um, with with the CSD, at least we have closed 
um, that loophole where you pick the suppliers that you want. And next week, when we talk to the bid committees, you will see the separation of responsibilities. And within that, it, it is, it's a bit tricky for, for the whole bid evaluation committee to be influenced and say, look, we're going with the supplier. It, it's an issue of whether the, the, um, the specifications were done properly or not, or they have been tricked to favor some of the suppliers. So it's a bit tricky. And, and what we're doing from our side as well, we do have... Um, SEM forums um, at national level, at SOE level, as well as, as, as the provincial treasurer to make sure that whatever we, we are doing within SEM, it becomes uniform across um, the majority of the organs of state. As to whether they are taking that from the SEM forum and implementing it, it's something that is beyond our control as the treasurer. But we do um, our best to capacitate them and bring in some of the risks that, that we see um, in the system, even this campaign is something that was decided through the SDM forums that we need to have this thing. We can't do it individually. Let it be run from the treasury just to make sure that suppliers understand what we're doing mm. um, behind the scenes. All right. We're continuing the conversation with Rahadi Mozeto. Of course, if you have any specific questions around different methods of procurement across government, she's explained part of them. Uh, I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006. It's 1130. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're looking at different methods of procurement across government. Rahadi Mozeto is the chief director uh, this is Stakeholders and Clients Management at National Treasury. And she's been with us on this journey for three weeks now. Um, the final installment is going to be coming next week. And uh, like I said, you're more than welcome to uh, raise any questions that you might have for her around the procurement processes that have been outlined. I'll take your calls on 011-714-2006. You can send your WhatsApp voice notes through on 0614-104-107 on Twitter at SFM Radio, the hashtag there, SFM Talking Point. I think it will also be important to hear just what some what your experiences have been with these different layers so whether you are responding to uh, an rfq whether you uh, you know you had work that was uh, trying to be procured via deviation limited bidding what has been your experience under all of these different methods that are used to procure work from the state uh, rahadi I, I want to go back to the issue of rfqs and and you said um, what happens is that the system will randomly pick suppliers and, uh, you know, it will then send them uh, you know, details on what is required. And then they have the opportunity to, of course, put in their quotations. And I wonder, what, what is the algorithm that this the, that the system is working with? Again, because we've had a number of questions over who gets to be told about what projects are available? Um, the thing is, if, if you, if, if, when it comes to, to RFQs, time is very important. Um, depending on, on how quick you want, you want the feedback to, 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 from, from, from the RFQs, 
um, you have to put in the number of suppliers that you know very well. If you get the responses from all of them, you can assess um, their submissions and conclude the process in order for you to implement what you need to, what you need to implement. Meaning that if you select five, um, and then you remember you can you can select you have a system where you you will select the service that you're looking for, and also followed by areas that you need to focus because you cannot go to to Western Cape or in for for catering. Um, so those are the, the some of the, the the fields that you will fill out and say, look, I'm looking for for five because you need three to 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 really proceed in terms of comparing the, the quotations. So if you get the five and then you send them the, the, the RFQ, uh, the request that this is what I need, can you provide me with the quotations and complete this, this SBD, standard bidding forms, and none of them come back to you or you only have one that comes back. So you, you need to go back again to, it will, it will be determined by, by the um, SEM manager or the policy in, within within the institution as to whether you are going to continue with that, that the one that responded, or you are going to keep it and then get the other five. But when you select again, it will not give you the five that you had previously. It will give you a new list of suppliers um, based on, on your login details as well. It will give you a new, a new list of suppliers that you need to communicate with based on that particular commodity. If there are too many suppliers in that community, commodity, it will take longer for, for, for the system to get to somebody who's number 400,000 on, on, on the list of, of suppliers who can provide us with catering within Pretoria. Mm. So it, 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 it's a bit tricky because suppliers need to understand if there's a lot of suppliers within a particular commodity, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to really even get an opportunity to, to supply that particular service, especially now if you look at catering. We are working from home, so most of our meetings are online. So we are limited in terms of um, ordering catering to have a full meeting within within the office. So those are some of the, the items that we have slowed down on, as well as printing paper. We don't require it a lot. We online, we sign the, the documents that we need to sign electronically online. We don't have to print as much as we used to print. So those are the things, the elements or, or, or pointers that they need to think about as to why am I not getting an opportunity? Am I under the right commodity for me to get an opportunity? Whereas when we talk about the, the um, transversal contracts next week, you'll see a full range of commodities that suppliers can really think about venturing into because that's what we need in volumes for, for all for um, a number of, of government um, institutions that use those mm. commodities. Of course, many people will be thinking, right, let's say we stay with the example of the events and catering, right, um, mm-hmm. but you are number 400, like you're saying, well, what do I do to be number five? And how did the person who is number five get to be number five? Um, the system will tell us who is number who is supposed to be number five. It's not something that we can we can influence at the moment, but previously it, it, it could be influenced. Uh, but now with the system randomly selecting, we can influence it. It's the system that determines. Um, I'm not sure about the settings in terms of how did they set it up, but one thing for sure is that when you select the first time and you can use that group then if you're looking for a particular service provider, you must select and select and select. And when the um, internal auditors come, you need to explain how, why are you selecting 
uh, for catering nine times before you get to um, complete the process that you started. But but does it make sense then why some people would feel that the system is effectively working against them, that it is biased against some companies? Because if there isn't even a specific criteria, that's why I was asking about the algorithm. Um, because if it said that, no, if you've done work before and you've gotten a certain rating, then you're more likely to be suggested for, uh, you know, when, when an RFQ comes out, that's something that's something that's, it makes sense. Not that it's justified, but it makes sense. Um, but, um, to, but to have a system that's just completely random, um, it makes it difficult for suppliers. Okay. Um, the thing is with, with, let me just um, stick to, to catering. Mm. Um, there are different categories of catering. Um, for instance, if, if you are to cater for, for a different group of, of officials, um, for instance, within, within the presidency, for instance, um, what they will do, the requirements will be totally different for somebody who will be catering for, for me and, and my team. Right. Firstly, um, they need to vet the employees that you're going to be using. They need to go and do inspections because um, it, is, it is better for them to have suppliers on the panel that they can frequently use because sometimes some of their events are not even scheduled um, um, in advance. They just happen um, um, within a short space of time. So they need to have those suppliers uh, vetted and also make sure that they have the requirements. So the, 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 the level of requirements tends to go up when, when, when you cater for, for such um, um, officials. But with us, it, it, it's an issue of uh, one catering for five people on this day, and this should be the meal. And also, you need to look at, at what we call um, the treasury instruction notes, where we have those cost containment instruction notes, where we're saying that for catering, this is what you need to get. If you travel, uh, your breakfast should be this and that. And then those are some of the things that, that, that we take into account when we do that. So it, 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 it's a bit tricky, and, and, and this is what we have said to suppliers. If you are in the low-value low commodities, the competition is continuing to be stiff um, because by the time we go and say we need catering, it's ha after how many years? I mean, we've been home for two years already. Um, uh, on terms of stationery. Uh, we've been home for two years. We just go to the office to get this and then print something and then you come and read it home. So if you are in, in the low-value commodities, chances are that, that particular, those particular commodities are not moving as one would want them to move. For instance, with, with the masks that we used, used to move so fast, now that we are no longer going to be wearing masks in, in outside, the, the demand will go down as well. Um, so it will be high on, 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 on institutions of health and those who are trading in the health sector. So that fluctuation of, of demand really impacts on, on, on how many suppliers we can use at the time. And unfortunately, with other institutions, those who don't want to use the CSD because they know that we have augmented the securities on the CSD, they will continue to do that, but the onus is on, on the accounting officer to make sure that their institutions remain compliant and they really adhere to, to, to the policies of supply chain as they are prescribed in, in the MSME as well as the PSMA. Mm. I want us to talk about um, the advertising then that has changed and why it is that the National Treasury has stopped the advertising of, of tenders and what has led to this decision. 
Um, I will attempt to, to explain this the second with a disclaimer that I'm not a legal person. Then. Um, firstly, uh, the National Treasury did not stop the tenders, right? The, implica- the implications of the Constitutional Court ruling of 16 February 2022 technically uh, led to this, right? So the ruling um, resulted uh, from a case between Afrikaans and the Minister of Finance, and the dispute was on regulations 4 and 9 in particular from the 2017 preferential procurement regulations. And these um, regulations 4 and 9 were relating to subcontracting as well as pre-qualification. So the dispute ultimately ended with the Constitutional Court because the Minister of Finance appealed the ruling of the Supreme Court. What implicated the matter was that um, the ruling of the Constitutional Court did not only focus on the subcontracting and the pre-qualification. It went on to the new what is in the Act, as in the Triple PFA Act of 2000, as well as what is contained in Section 2172 of the Constitution. Right. And then it went on to say, look, the regulations are not un- unconstitutional. However, the minister, on his part, he has overreached because the Constitution gives the power to organize the state to develop policies on preference, meaning that they are giving um, the powers to organize the state to determine how they are going to contract with the previously or historically disadvantaged uh, groups of people uh, based on race, gender, as well as disability. Right. So the communication from the Treasury was to clarify the implications and what it meant for organs of state, because despite uh, despite being being advised to use their legal teams to interpret the ruling, um, most of them looked up to the Treasury for guidance. So um, bottom line, the organs of state they have to go and 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 develop their own policies as per the Constitution as well as Section 2.1 of, of the Triple PFA. So technically, the ruling said the regulations are no longer applicable, and that is what we are communicating to them because without the regulations, it becomes difficult for institutions to go and evaluate the tenders that they are supposed to have advertised going forward. You have to pardon me. I'm coming up with a little bit of fuel. Um, so that is what led to the communication from the Treasury to explain the implications of the Constitutional Court ruling. So as a result, from our side, we issued um, the regulations for 2022 on preference for, 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 for the public to give their comments before the, by the 11th of April, just to clarify those thresholds um, going forward. If I understand correctly, it was about the criteria that was used, right? And as far as um, you know, having the having a minimum standards for something like triple BEE, the status level there. So, so given the fact that this ruling was about how the minister went about in setting these regulations and. Uh, the Constitutional Court, like you're saying, finding that he uh, effectively exceeded his powers. So what happens in in the interim, you know? Um, Because, again, we're told that so much is going to be hanging on the balance of the ability to conclude some of the procurement, especially for machinery in the health sector, we've been told. So Mm -hmm. how do we ensure that, you know, service delivery is not jeopardized by what was an oversight by the minister um what happened with with the 
uh, ruling from the Supreme Court, there was this uh, 12-month period for 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 suspension of of, of, of the, the the previous regulations, meaning that the minister had time to go and sort out regulations for nine and other areas of concern within the 2017 regulations. Right. So when it came to the constitutional court, that 12 months was thrown out, and then um, we are sitting with institutions that don't have policies that talk to, to, to preferential procurement, much as is contained in the Act as well as in the PFMA in terms of um, SEM regulations. Now, what we have done as the Treasury, we have given um, institutions an opportunity to get exempted or apply to the Minister for exemption um, in terms of Section 3 of the Triple PFA Act that exempt us from, from this particular one on the condition of it is in the public interest so that, that we provide the delivery. Um, they have, but the, the one thing that they need to be mindful of is if they apply for exemption, they should have a policy that will replace this particular act to make sure that when they advertise, they can um, apply, they can, they can evaluate, they can award those particular uh, tenders that they wish to, to, to advertise. So with the regulations, what we did from our side, we have gone back to, to the Constitutional Court to seek clarity on the 12 months that was awarded to us by the Supreme Court to get our house in order. That what do we do in the meantime because the ruling has put a hold um, or suspended the system um, in terms of procurement. Are you going to give us that 12 months back or what do we do? How much time do we have to get our house in order? However, what we have done, we have issued the regulations, like I said, just to make sure we fast track the process just in case um, our agency is not the same as the constitutional uh, court agency. They take longer than we expect then we are pushing the regulations on our side. However, the, it's important that um, organs of state, when they apply for exemptions, they have a plan in terms of how are they going to implement Section 2172 of, of, of the Constitution without the preferential procurement act because it flows from Section 2172. So they should have something in place that they're going to use to evaluate and award those tenders. And some institutions that they look, the 12 months starts today, uh, starts on the 15th or the 17th after the, the um, appeal was, was concluded on. So they are going ahead to, to, to advertise as normal. Um, maybe they have consulted with their internal um, legal people who said, look, in terms of law, you have, you can continue, then we can deal with the consequences later. Some are saying we can't do that. We opt to get an exemption because we have the policies in place internally that can really um, advance the people in terms of uh, Section 2172 of the Constitution. So um, it's a bit complicated because some are saying, why don't we issue um, uh, instruction notes to, 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 the, to effect the, the preference um, in the meantime? When, when we're still struggling with this issue of the constitutional court. The, the, the challenge is that these are two separate legislations. The PFMA talks to, allows for issuing instructions, whereas the, the triple PFA only prescribes the issuing of regulations. So we, we need to separate the issues. The, the PFMA and the MFMA, they talk to a supply chain management process that includes also um, the, triple, uh, the preference as well as the triple BE. However, when you look at the preferential procurement, it only caters for regulation. So you can mm. issue 
instructions against the active spouse. Okay. All right. I want to go to the uh, WhatsApp line and take some of the voice notes that are on the question. Uh, I mean, <laughs> some of the voice note questions that are here for you. Uh, before we do that, let's take a quick break. On SAFM. We continue our conversation with Rahadi Motzeto, Chief Director, Stakeholders and Clients Management at National Treasury. And we've been looking at the different methods of procurement and uh, the changes in as far as the announcements that are being made uh, by the National Treasury, especially where it relates to uh, tenders that are out for uh, this current year and why it is that um, you know there has been the advertising of tenders that uh, has been stopped and really the implication as you've heard there of the constitutional court ruling in as far as it relates to preferential procurement goals um, lots of your questions have come through on the whatsapp line so Rahadi, what i'll do is that i will play the whatsapp voice note uh, and you'll you'll hear the question and then you can respond after Hi, Kathy. Mike here. <clears throat> Please ask this lady about this, uh, uh, these tenders. You know, I run a consulting company in agriculture, but since the past 12 months or so, I've been receiving requests for quotations from every department in the country, defense, health, mineral resources, every department. Why is it like that? We are listed as a, a consulting company in agriculture on the CSD database, but I don't know why we receive all these. You know, you maybe per day you receive four from the, from departments that you don't even try and attempt. Rahadi, um, uh, two things. I think this might might be a scam, um, and I'm happy that Mike is, 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 uh, knows the, the institutions that we should be transacting with. Um, what we have picked up, okay, is that most of the suppliers, especially on the CSD side, and we really, really appeal to them, um, when they attend um, networking sessions, wherever that may be, we can't, we can't dictate to them. They, might, they need to be mindful of, of the information that they are sharing with, with whoever is hosting um, that particular uh, session. And also, whether the information or the book where they are filling out their information is meant by somebody throughout the time because information is money. Um, if somebody has your information, they can do whatever they want with it. So once somebody gets that particular information from your site, they will send you something that tends to look um, like the commodities that, that, that you, you, you have registered for on the CSD. So what I would advise Mike to do is to, is to check with, with those institutions and also be mindful of the emails, um, the email addresses, the domain um, of, of that email, uh, where, where it comes from. Because with the government, I know certain institutions will, will use uh, Gmail and we constantly discourage them um, to do that. Um, we, we, we use .gov.za, some will use .org.za. Um, so it's... it's, it's he needs to, I'm happy that he knows that he's in the agriculture sector, but he needs to be very, very careful going forward because from our side, we only send you what you have registered for on the CSD. And also sometimes the logo tends to be a little bit skewed as well as the communication thereof. We don't ask you, uh, we don't give you a photo of what, we, what we're asking you to quote us on. We don't describe it for you in terms of brand, and we also don't tell you where to source it. So um, 
Mike can just check on, on the CSC if he's worried um, in terms of who has accessed his profile on the CSC. They will give him an audit trail as to how many officials have been accessing his profile and from which institutions as well. He can do that at any provincial treasury that is near to him. All right. Uh, thanks for that. More of your WhatsApp yeah. voice notes. Um, morning, Sis Kathy. I, I've got a question here, man. Um, actually, it's a concern that I realized. Um, one is that um, when I see the biddings, normally I want to ask if this um, National Treasury do train the officials because sometimes we are, we have to bid together with the OEMs. I mean, they put us as the SMEs with the OEMs. How can we bid the price of the uh, OEMs? And secondly, it's regarding the SBD forms. You find that something for 7.5 or 3,500, we are required to complete the SBD forms until SBD 9. I mean, do they really train these people to know that something less than this price, you have to do only SBD 4? Um, why do we have to complete all these SBD forms even for something uh, 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 cheaper. Rahadi? Um, yeah, what, what we are trying to do uh, with, with the uh, public procurement bill is to address um, this issue of OEM competing with SMEs um, in, in the uh, public procurement bill. I'm not sure if when it went out for, for public comment, um, Mike had an opportunity to give these comments as well because it is, uh, the comments have closed a long time ago. Um, on the SBD forms, we, we are reviewing the SBD forms from, from the OCPO side, and also um, we do encourage and, um, the SEM managers that we, we deal with because the training and capacity building of SEM officials lies with, with the accounting officers as for the PFMA as well as the MSMA. So it's something that we, we try to, to, to intervene and 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 fix it. We have approached um, NSG as well to see if they can um, help us um, have a program for for SDM officials to make sure that we bridge those gaps. Um, sometimes it's an issue of a person being in the wrong environment that does not keen to do what is required um, in the SDM environment. So we are on the on the OEM. Um, we we trying to address it in, in the uh, public procurement bill. The SBD forms, we are reviewing them, Mike. We'll try our best to communicate with the SBM officials, not to bombard you with the SBD forms that are not, are not required for that particular transaction. All right. Okay. Thanks for that, Thanks for that Rahadi. I want to ask Rahadi. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a person who is dealing with catering and food supply, but I don't have uh, a health certificate. How do I get to bid? Am I allowed to, to, to send my request? Am I allowed to partake when uh, those catering tender comes in? Or do they reject my quotations without a health certificate? Anonymous in Bushback Ridge, thank you. Um, I'm sorry, I lost him a little bit. I, I just had that he's in catering and food services and he spoke about the certificate. I couldn't hear the rest of it. Let me replay it for you so that uh, okay. you can hear clearly what what uh, he had said there. All right. Hi, Kathy. I want to ask Rahadi. Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a person who is dealing with catering and food supply, but I don't have uh, a health certificate. 
how do I get to bid? Am I allowed to, to, to send my request? Am I allowed to partake when uh, those catering tender comes in? Or do they reject my quotations without a health certificate? Anonymous in Bushback Ridge, thank you. Oh, no, I get it. I get it. I think I touched on it a little bit. Um, the, the health certificate is not required for, for, for all quotations. Um, it will be required for um, a certain, like I said, if you're going to cater, cater for, for, for um, the presidency and, and, and international guests, then you will need that. But for um, a certain level like us, you don't need um, a certificate. So if it's not a requirement in the RFQ that has been, has been sent to you, then you cannot be disqualified based on that. If it is a requirement, then you will be disqualified based on that. All right. Um, I'm looking at the time. I'm thinking if we should take one more. Okay, maybe we'll, we'll squeeze in one more, Rahadi. Good morning, Casey, and uh, uh, your member there. I'm anonymous from Mafiki. You are right. That system favors some and it doesn't like some of us. I mean, if it picks randomly, why are we not chosen at some point? Because I mean, electrical or professional services. Uh, are they saying there has never been work since uh, three years ago? I'm compliant with everything, CSD, tax, everything, but I never get picked up. Thank you. All right, so I guess it was more of a comment uh, than a question, but uh, Rahadi, we've come to the end of our conversation and we're going to pick it up again next week. Thank you so much, Rete. Thank you so much for the time. All right, let's leave it there. Uh, Rahadi Mozeto, Chief Director, Stakeholder and Client Management at National Treasury. And of course, this interview has been brought to you by the National Treasury. On that note, that's where we leave it for the Monday afternoon. Uh, up next is the updated noon with Sakina Kamwendo.